Welcome to the Illinois Soy Podcast. Enjoy. Today, I'm speaking with Jason Hagley, who's part of our 2020 CCA Soy Envoy class. Jason is the region agronomist for Winfield United in Illinois and leads the agronomy services team for the Eastern United States. Hagley holds a bachelor's degree in agronomy and ag engineering from Iowa State University, a master's in crop production and physiology also from Iowa State, and a PhD in crop sciences from the University of Illinois. Welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Jill. It's great to be here. I know that uh, the, the recent climate and situation going on with everything happening um, due to coronavirus and COVID-19 stay-at-home orders. My life has definitely changed. I'm sure your life has changed. Uh, are you guys working from home? What is your situation kind of like these days? So I've uh, been working from home for at least the last eight weeks. Um, and, you know, usually at this time of year, I'd be focused on developing training plans and, and activities that, that I would do uh, through Winfield United's Anthropod system, which is where we do a lot of in-season training uh, for farmers and for retail customers. And, um, you know, certainly agriculture has continued, um, you know, even despite the, the coronavirus. And, and so we're, we're actively looking at ways that we can con- uh, continue to communicate uh, timely agronomic tips, um, you know, to the field, you know, using other types of, um, you know, media like videos, um, you know, Twitter, um, you know, written documents, that type of thing to, to make sure that, um, you know, customers and, and growers ultimately have the, the information that they need to make, um, you know, timely agronomic decisions in a year like this. I'm sure one of those things that you're communicating to your growers and to your customers is about the challenges that they're facing here at the beginning of the growing season. So that's what we're going to talk about here today on the podcast is how uh, current challenges and uh, situations that are occurring here at the beginning of the 2020 growing season are impacting soybean farmers and what they can do to um, still be profitable this year and make solid agronomic decisions related to their 2020 soybean season. So if you just want to start off by talking a little bit about those challenges that um, you're communicating with your growers about and something, those things that have been impacting them here at the beginning of the season. Yeah. So we, we certainly got off to a great start in April with a little bit earlier planting window compared to what we've um, you know been blessed with in the last uh, few years. And and so growers were excited to get, you know, both corn and soybeans in, in the ground. And as it relates to soybeans, I think we saw, um, you know, much earlier, um, you know, on average soybean planting uh, compared to recent years. And in you know, many cases, growers may have started planting soybeans before they pulled out their corn planter. Um, and so now, you know, getting into the middle of May, um, as conditions are starting to warm up, um, you know, those uh, early planted crops are um, emerging or beginning to emerge and, and growers kind of have to start to think about, um, you know, assessing stand because uh, you know, many of these crops did sit in the ground for uh, quite a while due to the cool temperatures that we experienced uh, throughout the month of April and into early May. And, and then uh, with the recent rainfall, um, which has been you know, heavy in, in places, uh, that's also going to affect, um, you know, some of those stand replant decisions. I know there's been a couple couple different weather things here, but we were off to a great start. Um, for those soybean fields that are being planted later versus those that are already planted, um, what are some recommendations that a farmer should consider, uh, even though the market values are going to be uh, probably potentially lower this year? So when we get into challenging economic times, you know, like what we're going through right now, I, I think growers, um, you know, rightfully so, start to scrutinize 
their crop management plans and and the uh, the inputs that they're going to put on those fields. Um, you know, trying to maximize yield, but yet at the same time, you know, maxing uh, return on investment and, and, and the profits that they take off of those fields. Um, so as we get into some of these later, um, you know, planted soybean situations or maybe replant situations, um, one of the areas I think will become um, a question will be around the, the topic of seed treatment. Um, we know that seed treatment is especially important for early planted soybeans. When we think about uh, planting into those cool, sometimes wet conditions, and we definitely need um, you know, fungicide seed treatments in particular to protect against pathogens like Pythium and Phytophthora under those conditions. Uh, but even when we get into later planted situations where it's a little bit warmer and the crop comes out of the ground a little bit faster, we can still have um, new issues with Rhizoctonia. Uh, you know, which favors you know, warmer, a little bit drier conditions, and also Phytophthora, which you know still continues to um, you know, exist in warmer conditions as well. So, those fungicide seed treatments are are still important for later planted soybeans, and and then also with some of the newer innovations in soybean seed treatments, you're particularly thinking about uh, pests and pathogens like uh, sudden death, death syndrome and soybean cyst nematode. Um, you know, those are uh, pests that can still exist even with later later planted soybeans. So, depending on the field. Um, maybe taking a sample, understand soybean cyst nematode pressure in your field. Um, you know, those could be seed treatments that are still worthwhile to include, uh, even with these later planted or, or replant type situations. Yeah, that's great. Uh, do you think a planting season like 2020 has um, had growers reevaluating their lower seeding rates? I know that's something that people have been moving to in the past several years. So, uh, what do you think this planting season has told us about seeding rates or growers are starting to think about that? Yeah, I definitely think we're seeing the trend or have been seeing the trend over time for lower seeding rates. Um, and many university studies as well as on-farm trials have shown that, you know, you really we can optimize yield at populations as low as 100,000 plants per acre um, or even a little bit lower if we have, um, you know, uniform, uh, well-spaced plants. Um, and so when we get into you know early planting situations, sometimes growers will go a little bit you know higher on that seeding rate, and you know knowing that um, they might suffer some some stand loss from the cool wet conditions. Um, but you know regardless, I think you know, it's uh, important to have that seed treatment in there uh, to protect the stand that you do choose to to shoot for or choose to plant. Um, you know once we've set the planter for a particular seeding rate, then we need to do everything we can to get those uh, seeds out of the ground and help those young plants get established and ultimately yield, yield well and, and seed treatment is one factor that can, can really help with that. Yeah. Uh, what, what are those risks for growers who don't use, utilize that seed treatment this year? Yeah. So, so, you know, one of the, the, the main risks that we think about is, you know, a, a stand reduction. So fewer plants emerging and, um, ultimately, uh, contributing to yield, uh, but then we think about, um, you know, diseases like sudden death syndrome, which may not have a, um, you know, an impact on stand, you know, they can show up later in the season as disease, which, which limits yield. So uh, depending on the seed treatment that you select, um, you know, it could be uh, impacting the health of that crop early, or it could be impacting the health of that crop later. And many of the, you know, currently available seed treatment packages have different components, fungicides, insecticides nematicides and other components to help protect uh, against the whole gamut of different um, you know, pests and diseases that occur throughout the growing season. Yeah, that's great. Moving on to uh, looking at, you know, those who have been planting early over the past three to five years, the industry has really been promoting that and moving to that. Uh, 
right now where we stand here at uh, mid-May, was that a good decision for growers to make? Was that a bad decision this year? Yeah, I, I think on average it was a very good decision. Um, you know, one of the factors that we know um, that influences yield as a result of, of uh, early planting is greater light interception, uh, particularly as we get into June um, when we have the longest days of the year and, and when that soybean plant starts to uh, starts to flower and ultimately set pods. Um, it allows us to capture that light and, and set ourselves up for um, a higher a higher yield potential. So in some cases, there may be some um, some replants or maybe spotting in parts of the field where we had poor um, you know, poor emergence. But on average, I think that early planting is going to um, you know pay off for for Illinois soybean growers. And um, you know if we follow through with some in season crop inputs like um, in season nutrition or fungicide, that'll help to um, you know protect and support that higher yield potential that we have from early planted soybeans. Yeah. And when we talk about early planting too, is it, is it the same for, you know, farmers in the North as it is in the South? Uh, is it, you know, is there different times that are considered early based on your, your uh, specific environment and conditions? You know, I think when we say early planted soybeans here in Illinois, in, in many cases, that means before the, the 1st of May, um, you know, and certainly when we have the opportunity, like what we had this year, you know, getting in, um, you know, the first half of April um, is is pretty early, and, and you know some have experimented with you know March planted soybeans or, or even earlier than that. And um, you know while they certainly had success with that, some very high yields. Um, you know it's probably not practical to, to do that over a large scale, just because we can't control the the weather and, and field conditions in February and in March in most years. So, you know, we've had a little bit of rain here at the beginning of May. Some. Um, low temperatures, and that's kind of slowed planting down a little bit. Uh, if those conditions and challenges continue to, uh, you know, progress throughout the rest of May and into June, uh, when would you recommend for a farmer to switch from maybe some acres that they had planned to, planned to plant to corn to switching those to soybeans? Yeah, so that's certainly going to depend on the, the part of the state and the, and the hybrid maturity that they're planting. But, um, you know, I think we can confidently plant corn, uh, you know, well, you know, into into June, you probably the middle of June before we have to start thinking about either switching to an earlier maturity corn hybrid uh, or potentially switching to, to soybeans. Um, you know, one of the things we've learned um, you know, really related to corn is that um, an important factor for high yield is getting that crop out of the ground quickly and uniformly. And so even though uh, we're sometimes forced to plant late in the season. Um, oftentimes, it's not as uh, big of a negative impact to yield just because we get that crop out of the ground quickly and, and get it off to a fast start. So. This week, Gary Schnicki had a, a webinar for Illinois Advisor on uh, management decisions and the economics uh, outlook for 2020 and 2021 based on, you know, the recent economic trends um, from COVID-19. In his projected budgets, it shows that, you know, higher yield soybeans, as well as soybeans in general, might be a little bit uh, more economical here versus corn or lower yielding soybeans. So what do, what should farmers really do to achieve those uh, high yields this year? You know, we have those tight margins and you definitely have to make those decisions um, on a case-by-case -case basis. But what, what are kind of your, your tips for farmers on that? 
So I, I think back to the, the six secrets of soybean success project that uh, Dr. Fred Bilo at the University of Illinois worked on with the Illinois Soybean Association a few years ago. And think about some of the factors um, in that, you know, things that the, the grower can control. And, um, you know, certainly at this point with uh, many soybean acres being in the ground, um, you know, we have uh, maybe um, you know, less of an opportunity to focus on variety selection, um, you know, row spacing, seed treatment, that type of thing. Um, but as I think about the rest of the season, um, you know, particularly in-season inputs like fertility and fungicide, um, there is a lot of opportunity to to impact yield, you know, focus on on those two different factors. Um, you know, so as we think about fertility, um, you know, obviously things like phosphorus and potassium are, are probably already set, um, you know, soil applied nutrients. Uh, but we do have the opportunity to apply nutrients in season, and, and oftentimes that'll come in the form of a foliar um, you type um, nutrition product or a micronutrient. Um, you know, going along with that, you know, one of the tools that growers can use to um, maybe decide what to apply or, or when to apply is, is the um, the process of, of tissue testing, which allows a grower to take a sample, um, a leaf sample from their field, um, have it analyzed by a lab, and then you know, based on that that data, um, you know, again they can decide. Um, which nutrients are maybe limiting and, and what um, products might be appropriate to address those nutrient limitations um, in the field. Um, and that's a, another, another great way to improve ROI is because in some cases you may take that tissue sample and find that your uh, nutrients are um, you know, adequate or mostly adequate and then you can um, maybe decide not to make an application um, based on that, uh, that data from the tissue test. Um, the other factor that I mentioned is, is fungicide application. Um, and so definitely we have, you know, high disease years, which um, are sometimes hard to predict. Um, we um, would expect a benefit from a fungicide, uh, but for both corn and soybeans, um, you know, data has shown that in a lot of cases, we, um, you know, realize a yield benefit even in the absence of, um, you know, measurable disease or levels of disease that we would expect to be yield limiting. Um, so in many cases, growers can, um, you know, make the choice to, to go ahead and apply a fungicide. Um, you know, you, you always have the opportunity to, to scout that field ahead of time to, um, you know, look for the presence of disease or, or maybe tailor your fungicide choice to the diseases that are present in that field. Uh, but other factors that impact the, um, the effectiveness of that fungicide application in terms of how many bushels you, you get back and, and the ultimate profit from that fungicide application uh, include things like, um, you know, focusing on uh, nozzle selection, um, you know, gallons per acre to get good coverage, the use of adjuvants, that type of thing. All simple agronomic, um, you know, um, decisions that can ultimately uh, impact the outcome from that, that fungicide application. Excellent. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot that uh, can still be managed here for the rest of the season. And I think it's important to, you know, take a look at your plan and make sure that um, you're capitalizing on, on what you have in the field. Yep, yep, that's absolutely right. You know, you think about a soybean crop, it um, has so many different opportunities uh, throughout the growing season due to its indeterminate nature to, to make um, uh, yield increasing uh, decisions or, um, you know, in turn, yield decreasing decisions based on uh, nutrient limitations, uh, diseases, uh, stresses that are present, that type of thing. So, um, you know, throughout the growing season, those growers who are interested in pushing yields and soybeans. Um, you have a lot of opportunity to, um, you know, make agronomic decisions to ultimately impact their, their yield and, and profitability. Thank you so much for joining us here today, Jason. Any last words before you go? No, I, I don't think so, Jill. I just, uh, you know, again, a reminder that, um, you know, I think in many cases we've got, um, you know, really good uh, yield potential set for soybeans this year due to 
uh, due to the early planning. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of season left ahead of us. Um, you know, things that we can't control like August rains, but there are things that are under our control. Um, you know, like those fertility inputs that we talked about, um, you know, fungicide and maybe other things that the grower wants to try in season, like uh, plant growth regulators, uh, biologicals, biostimulants, that type of thing that, um, you may not be appropriate for the entire farm, but uh, they're always fun to try and see how they, uh, impact uh, yield and, and profitability on on uh, individual farms and, and fields. So, uh, wish everybody luck this year in in their production, and um, we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Again, that was Jason Hagley, 2020 CCA Soy Envoy, sharing his thoughts about the start to the 2020 soybean season. If you're interested in this topic and any other soybean management resources, you can visit www.illsoyadvisor.com. That's ilsoyadvisor.com to learn more. This has been an Illsoy Advisor podcast. Thanks for tuning in.